higher. Yeah, um, we've, we've come to ask a few questions. Why is your company dumping five teenage males into communities all up and down the country? Out of the 10,000 beds you've got, Ham. I'm not attacking you at all. My name, my name's James Goddard, and I want to find out why the Britannia Hotel is housing migrants and you're not housing the 200,000 homeless people. Why aren't you housing them? Excuse me, I just work here. Okay, I, okay well, so could we speak to a higher... Please, right. if you'd ask for an appointment, we could arrange... I've tried. No, you have I have, I've rang up. I've rang this place numerous times. Well, it's nothing, ag it's nothing against you. Sorry, can you stop filming It's nothing no. against you, I just want to find... Me, you have to have permission. No, we do not. Right, can you leave the premises right. in the hall? Can, can you, can you, you no, tell us why you're housing migrants? Hold on, just move out. Can you answer the questions, please? No, because I'm not in a position to do Well, could that. you get somebody that will answer the questions? No, we just want to find out why five teenage males are being housed in hotels. 10,000 beds, 61 hotels, and not right, one homeless person. I will just say one thing. The police have not contacted us about any fact. Can you let our employees in, please? Yep, yeah, let them in, guys. Let all the employers in. But we want to know, why aren't you housing 200,000 homeless people? Yeah, you don't, but do you know what you're doing? You're allowing murderers, rapists, and terrorists into our communities. You're making them less safe. Yes, always, always on fire. I'm, I'm so excited to be here once again. It's, we had a week off, but I'm here once again with Britain's leading right-wing activist, banned from Parliament Square for a full five years. That ban is, uh, is losing effect next year, around the time of both of our birthdays, which will be very interesting. I, I'm... Just dead chuffed to be back. And this evening we're, we're doing something very special. We're not doing a news roundup. We're dedicating the whole show to Tracy and her story and everything that that entails because it is that important. But I'm just going to hand straight over to James to launch us in. How are you doing, mate? Oh, sweet. Thank you for that introduction. I must say it is good to be back. Obviously, last week we were down in London. We took the kids down to London Zoo. And uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a great weekend, which is why we were off. And um I'm really happy tonight to have Tracy on because Tracy is one of the main reasons. Well, Tracy is the reason why we, well, the, the activism basically. I met, I'll go into it. I met Tracy um, back in 2018, five years ago. Um, I'd saw the justice, I'd saw what happened to Josh, Harry, and George online. And then it sort of went a bit quiet, not because Tracy wasn't doing anything, but because the way the media were. And they tried to write it off as just, uh, oh, it was an accident. It was death by dangerous driving. And then I had the pleasure of having a, a, a Skype call with Tracy and our, and our friend Marion. And Tracy went into great detail and explained exactly what had happened to the boys. And ever since then, um, I dedicated as much time as I could to helping Tracy and Nicola go up and down the country and raising awareness as to what happened to, uh, just, uh, as to, what happened to Josh, Harry and George. There's been some ups and downs. I've made a few mistakes. Probably should have listened to the wise to the wise lady quite a few times because she has been right about a lot of stuff. Um, but the most important thing is we're all here tonight to talk about Josh, Harry, and George, and uh, and and to make people realise what's happening and the fact that it's five years on from their murders, 
no justice has been served for the families. And Tracy is still out there campaigning for justice and fighting to get justice for Josh, Harry and George. Um, so, Tracy, thank you for uh, coming on tonight. I do appreciate um, you coming on. So, um, let us know where you want to start, really, because there's so much to cover. Um, you know, if you've got any questions, or I don't know whether Nick has, because I know that he's only just recently watched the documentary, so he have, he may have more questions. You know a lot of things anyway, James. You know, to one of the hardest things that will be to try and condense five years' worth in, into two hours. So, you know, and, and just to say, I just want to say hello to uh, anyone who's watching, just to say I can't see your comments, so... If you write something, I, I can't answer it. But whoever's there, thank you for joining us tonight to uh, listen to our boys' story. Um, because like I said to Nick before we came on, people like me are hidden. We're hidden by the media. The only time we're not hidden by the media, or the only time that I wasn't hidden by the media, apart from in the beginning when they was having interviews with us, when they was conducting interviews with us and lying about the story, twisting everything we were saying to them. The only other time after that um, was to demonise me, to character assassinate me, to put people off me so that they wouldn't hear the truth of what happened to my son and those two boys. So, yeah. I've got a question straight off the bat. When you say people like you are silenced, um, I, I just want to what do you mean by people like you? Because I've yeah. talked to a few people in this position. We've got uh, people who've had adverse reactions to the vaccine or loved lost ones to that. I've talked to lots of them. They can't get any coverage or help from the official channels. Um, child sexual abuse victims. I've spoken to people who've been through that. Um, and there's a man in a town in Wales who recorded children screaming in the basement next door and got completely gaslit by the police as well. Um, so I'm very interested in people who just get turned away when something horrible has happened to them. But is what did you mean by people like me? People like me who who have suffered an injustice, you know, and 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 that's what it is. It's it's all covered up. Um, and and in and people don't realise how important it is, you know, a lot of people live their life well if it hasn't happened to me why should I allow that to affect me why should I stand up against that you know but it's very important just an injustice to to anybody is a threat to, to justice to everybody you know because it could be on your doorstep next and then wouldn't you like the support you know I'm a great believer I traveled everywhere and James you were at a lot of those places with us a lot of places we travelled over the country and spoke at many demos because I'm a great believer that if you want support, you should also support. You know, I don't expect everyone who is facing injustice to just come and support me and then me not support them. It should work both ways. And, and I did that, but you don't get that given back, you know, which is a big question in itself. But, yeah, just basically to answer your question, it's people who have suffered an injustice and that injustice has been covered up. OK, well, we better lay out for anyone um, who doesn't know what the story is. What what was that injustice? So basically on the 26th of the 1st, 2018, my son and his friends, uh, there was five of them who met up together, were walking to a 16th birthday party which was their friend's birthday party 
and along this particular road that night in Hayes, it's not a road where you get loads of people walking. You get people cutting through in cars um, because it can take you off the M4 and, and bring you into Hayestown and it's near Heathrow Airport. Um, but it's not a place where you generally get loads of people walking. And this party had been booked for months. So, it, you know, it was on social media. Plenty of people knew this party was going on. And my son and his friends, they were excited. They were 16, 16, and Harry had just turned 17. And as I said, we have to remember that there was five boys walking on this particular pavement at the time. Three got murdered. Two just got missed. Yeah, so it easily could have been five and three walk, were walking towards. And um, they were, I mean, I'm not very good on distance, so please don't quote me on that. You know, probably about 600 metres they were from safety to where this party was being held when a car mounted the pavement. The boys heard the kick down and as they turned, it was too late. The car had just clipped the first two boys, knocked them to the side. It then hit George. It then hit my son, who went eight foot into the air, into the cemetery. And the police never even told me that, by the way. And it then went on to hit Harry. And uh, that all three died, not instantly. The police told us all three died instantly. And, and we found out. A couple of months later that that wasn't true at all one died instantly and the other two didn't one being my son and i was at the scene i went to the scene because we got a call from one of the other children's parents because you can imagine all these children heard that were at this party and come running out screaming there were their friends there were witnesses there as well who saw it and um you know, these children, a lot of these children still have counselling now, you know, because of what they saw. And just and... to interrupt, that um, the girl whose birthday it was, she's never celebrated a birthday ever since either. I remember you saying that as well. Sorry to interrupt, Trace. I just bought Yeah, no, no, that's all right. Yeah, Harriet, her name is, and she always does a post every year for the boys. You know, that young girl is always going to remember that as her birthday. It affected, obviously, you know, not just me and my family and their friends and the community. It just affected such a huge amount of people because our boys were well loved. You know, they were they were good boys. They always played football. Harry had just been signed as a semi-pro by Farnborough. You know, my son worked. He was only 16. He worked as a labourer. He used to get up at six in the morning. I'm just so glad that I got to tell him how proud I was of him, you know. And and George was training to be an elect electrician. But they was always into, all three played for Harefield Football Club. You know, they, they was well-known and well-liked. And, um, yeah, so, so the car mounted the pavement intentionally. They heard the kick down. Um, murdered three of them, one of them being my son. And as I said, I got a call from another parent that had obviously got a call from her child. And that parent was in the car with George's dad at the time, one of the other boys who was murdered, my son's best friend. And um, 
at the time they just said all, all I heard was them telling me that my son had been hit by a car and I just threw my phone so I didn't hear the rest of the conversation because I threw my phone you know I screamed up to my daughters I knew I wouldn't be able to drive because I, I was just saying quick quick someone take me there you know and just praying all the way that please let my son be okay I didn't know about the other boys at this time until I got to the scene you know and then someone said to me George's dad is over there and Harry's parents are the other side now I knew Harry's mum prior to this I didn't know Harry's dad I didn't know um George's parents yeah I just knew the boys um and but I knew Harry's mum because she worked with me so then but I only knew her to say hello to and I was like ask her to come around here because obviously this was a party all the boys were going so it made sense that some of the parents were there but I could tell by George's dad's face I'm like what George as well because I could tell by his face. And then when Harry's parents came around in their car and got out of the car and I see their face, I'm like, Harry as well, you know, and I'm running up to the police. I'm saying, what's going on? You know, and then I'm hearing things being said by the other kids there at the scene. Yeah, you could hear them talking and hear what they were saying, but everything was so surreal and it's almost like everything's in slow motion at that time. You know, I couldn't tell you how long I was standing there and waiting to get in there, waiting for a copper to come to me, you know, until we got a nod. I don't know what time in the evening it was. And then we got told to get in the police vehicle and got driven to the Premier Inn. And I knew when I was in that car because I'm like, this must be bad because they wouldn't be telling us to go to the Premier Inn, right? Because at the same time, we had heard that one had gone into an ambulance and had been driven off in the ambulance. And although there's all there's the three children who's injured, you're hoping, as the mother, that that's your child in the ambulance. You know, and that's natural. You're just hoping that's your child in that ambulance. And they wouldn't tell us who was in the ambulance. You know, so it was... Um, it was chaotic, but you could hear all these things going on and it was surreal. And then when we got taken to the Premier Inn, we was put in the restaurant in the Premier Inn and I could see people working behind the bar, you know, and there was people in there. Um, and then this police woman turned up, sat opposite me and said there was three fatalities. And it's like, it's like being in a dream, but you're, you're there and you're listening to this, you know, and I, I could hardly breathe. And, you know, I couldn't even remember at the time that my daughters were by the side of me, you know. And um, so, yeah, that's that's what happened up until that point. I just want to. Um, oh, sorry. I think you had something to say there, didn't you? Nick? No, go for it. Yeah, I just want to say so that obviously that that was five years ago and then the, the camp Tracy, I just want like I know it's difficult and everything but for you to explain how the media like how the media portrayed it straight away because it they had a narrative straight away to fulfill didn't they and and they painted it in a certain narrative and 
just going back from the conversations that I've had with you, I remember how they treated you all that night and they didn't treat you with compassion. They just left you in a room of a hotel somewhere where you're unfamiliar with the surroundings, with the worst possible news. And the way that the police have treated you ever since, like, has been absolutely horrendous. I've been there with, like, just to go down a bit, but when... um, when that piece of shit, sorry for swearing, but that's the only word I can describe him as, but when he had the audacity to appeal his sentence and they and they let you know the day before because they were trying to make it so you wouldn't be able to attend and, and we all went to the court and rightfully so we kicked off and, and they went into another room and delivered the verdict and reduced his sentence from 13 years to 10 years because of the impact that it had had on the driver's family nothing to do with the impact that it had had on you or the other or or the other families or your children and for me that was a that was a surreal moment that not surreal in the good like it was it was horrendous because i couldn't believe that because people put so much and this is the problem when people are so brainwashed into believing the state's there to help the state have done everything they can to silence you and discredit you and ultimately stop the boys from getting justice. And when it was Lord Leveson, wasn't it, the uh, at the appeal, when it when they delivered it, and I remember we stormed into the other courtroom and the police that were there, they, do you remember, they took their hats off and they stood with us. And for me then, that it's just what's happened to you and there's is a lot of people that don't quite fully understand it they don't they just they just think that it was just three boys that were murdered but they don't understand the psychological and mental effect that it's had on you and the other families and your children as well and it's something that that won't ever go away and you know I've spent a lot of time with you and your family and I've seen how great they are but I've also seen the burden of sadness that's on them and and that's why it's imperative that we get justice for Josh, Harry, and George, and most, and, and as well for the families, because you've been you've been forced into doing this. You didn't want to, you know, you didn't want to have to come out and and do all of this stuff and withstand the attacks that you've had to take. But you're doing this simply because there's there's an injustice and it needs correcting. And like I said it, it it it's so upsetting to know that we're still five years on and and the levels that they're going to to ultimately stop you and the boys from getting justice is just hideous i mean which um because you had an appearance on good morning britain as well didn't you but then the narrative that they tried to portray on that was a bit of a strange one as well wasn't it yeah because what had happened the producer had called me the day before and said to me you can't speak because i was speaking out and they knew i was speaking out you know before i came out to Speaker's Corner on the 18th of March 2018 because I thought, how am I going to get my word out to the people in this country? What happened to our boys? Because it's being hidden by the media. I thought, how am I going to get our, our boys' story out there um, to the people? And so be- before the 18th of March, before I ended up at Speaker's Corner, um, you know, I had the media where, where they was letting us down and lying about us. And the worst, one of the worst ones was New Magazine. That was the last time uh, we had an interview with anything that was mainstream, which was New Magazine. We spent three hours with them telling them the whole story. They took pictures of us. And what they wrote was just horrendous because none of that came out of our mouths. None of it. Yeah, but what they don't realise is not only do we still have that magazine, I have the recording of our interview. So when I'm ready, that's going to go out there as well. So I can prove what they are. Um, But 
so getting the story out was the hardest thing. Sorry, James, I've forgotten your question. It was just how it was how the media, yeah, because it was to go on obviously oh, down the timeline. So it was how the media tried to portray the incident oh. straight away, and then obviously onto you um, starting to speak out at, at Speaker's Corner, and then obviously it snowballed from there. There's a detail that I want to address first, and it's kind of cutting to the chase. But why wouldn't they treat you as you know a mother who's just lost her son? Why? Why is this? Why do you think this case is not being dealt with properly? Right. Firstly, I don't believe that our boy's case is an isolated case. Firstly. Um, I think it's if you research and, and everything's about research, they don't bank on people researching. And that's a downfall, really, if people don't research and just take, you know, if someone goes on, on, on the news and says, right, this has happened. Everyone just believes them because they look like a reporter standing there saying this has happened. You must research. And I'll, I always say to people, please research even what I'm saying. You know, I wouldn't take that offensively. Please research, because then no one can take you away from the truth once you've researched it yourself. No one can convince you of anything different. And there's so many people, you know, playing parts out here to convince people of different. Um, there's so much, Nick, to condense that, because it's a really good question. Um, it's hard to explain it, but there's agendas going on. And we don't fit in that agenda. Yeah, I mean, what, what's key is, like, you don't need to know why there's a cover-up, but you know, you bloody well know that there is one. Um, but that, but it, it's such an important part of, of the story. because and it's, okay, it's, yeah. it's, I think, I think people, it was the narrative. Yeah, well, there's people that are protected in this country. That's a fact. That's what happened in our case. They tried to portray me, like I said to you, with regard in the media, what the only time after the interviews when they weren't knew they weren't getting any more interviews from me because they kept lying in what they printed. They wasn't printed what we they wasn't printing what we were saying. They was printing the opposite to that. And once they knew that that I that I wasn't going to give any more interviews, and then I appeared on the streets. Yeah, at Speaker's Corner, then doing my own demos for the boys, then speaking at demos. Once they start seeing that, that I'm out on the street. So you can hide us online. You know, you can shadow ban us. You can choose when to send a YouTube notification out three days after the live and so on and so on. Twitter, I'm heavily shadow banned. I don't even bother with Twitter anymore because it's that bad for me on there. But they can do that, but they can't hide you on the streets. So what they did then next was I was on a demo uh, walking. I think I, I was on one of the Yellow Vest demos. But Yellow Vest, by the way, was not demos. What we was doing was going out there every Saturday and speaking to people and trying to tell them of all the injustices that were going on in the country. Yeah. So it wasn't specifically a demo like a protest and we never organized it and that's that's why they hated us because we wouldn't work with the police obviously i would never work with the police and they didn't like that because they had no control over it and they like to have control and um i, I was walking along and up comes katie razzle bbc saying to me will you come on news night um you know 
and, and give us an interview. And I said, no, why, why would I speak to you? You know, you lie. You tell lies, you're fake news. You lied about our boy's story. So what they then did next was start printing the I'm mixing in with the far right, the I'm a racist because I'm only speaking out because of the authenticity of those in that car that night. Yeah. So they was do started doing all things like that to me, you know, set me up with a picture. And I'm sorry, James, we were set up with that picture with Gerard Batten. That was a complete set up picture. You know, he's never offered help. He put the boys band on. Someone asked you to come and get us for a picture. We went and stand there. They take the picture and he walked off. And then after that, every time I do a live, someone's putting the link to that picture and calling me far right. And that's what they do. Again, character assassination to put people off the truth. Mm. Also, as well, the fact that I I found there was a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but there were some people that were almost willing to use it to try and capitalize, like that, like like in regards to the picture, it's 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 that it's to give that impression of uh, of, of being seen to be caring when in when in fact they weren't they weren't caring about it all. And just yeah. what you said about um, Kate Razzle as well, because we had that that full. I think there was two hit pieces, weren't there? For, uh, two or three from the BBC. There was the first one with Parliament and then there was the second one where they'd even contacted his solicitor and the lies that they told in it because they put the videos up that we'd done and then said that we were lying and that the, the driver had been apologetic. He'd personally apologised to all of the families and they really went on this agenda where they tried to essentially paint the driver. But it was all a part of that narrative and that narrative was to list this incident as an accident and the driver yeah. was drunk. The driver wasn't drunk, and if it and uh, like if it hadn't have been for those two other boys that he clipped, he could have got away that night. And 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 that's what people need to realise. Those two, those other two boys, I can't remember the names. Please forgive me for that. But th they apprehended him. They were the ones that apprehended him at the petrol station and kept him there so that the police could make the arrest. The passenger got off, and he's never faced charges. And I'm sorry, but when you're a passenger, you're an accessory to three murders. You've left a crime scene and you're interviewed for how what was it 30 minutes or something at the local police station? Like 13 minutes. That can I just say though, can I just say we have come across because it's very important, James. There is no evidence in everything that we've come across so far to ever show that James Tudor Armour was the driver of that car. Bear in mind it was his brother's car. Bear in mind that his sister's a solicitor. Yeah. Bear in mind that he wasn't in this country before 2010 and the police lied about that. The police told me he was born here because I researched them. Yeah, because they didn't they didn't um, go into the home. They didn't do a search of his home. Right. They could have got a section 18 just by ringing up and asking an inspector. Yeah. Right. They didn't do that. But, do you know, the audacity in a CPS meeting, what they said to us. They said, but we did go round there, but people were sleeping, so we didn't want to disturb them. So, to, to again, sort of cut to the chase, the sentencing for this was what? It was dangerous driving. Yes, it was dangerous, yeah, dangerous driving. And they don't class the boys as three separate boys. They class it as one. one. That's another way to reduce it, yeah, because they class it as one incident. Yeah. 
Yeah, so even if if he'd have got all eight, they would have classed it as one. Yeah. Yeah, so even though they do death by dangerous driving times three, it's not dealt with on the, let's say, the dangerous driving laws on what the maximum sentence is. It's not done as three, yeah? But it yeah. never was that. He He mounted the pavement deliberately, they heard the kick down, yeah, and the boys turned, but it was too late to even move out of the way. And also, it was the quickest trial in British history as well. Yeah, the judge wanted it over within 28 days from when it happened because they wanted it hidden. They wanted it gone. They didn't want it out there anymore. They didn't want the public to see it. They even went to the school and told... You know, because a lot of the school children came to the funerals and the police went to the school and I've got a copy of the letter because I asked my daughter to go and get it. And I asked my daughter to ask the school who told them this because it was a lie in the letter. Uh, so they even went to the school, the police, and said to the school that it was our wishes that anyone attending the funerals does not put anything on Facebook, on social media, does not put any pictures up, does not mention it, and that that was our wishes. And they, the school put this in the letter, composed it all in a letter, and sent it out to all the students. And that was a lie. That Those were not our wishes. We wanted everyone to know. We wanted everyone to know what happened to our boys because we knew the police were lying. Regarding the sentencing as well, people have got to understand Right. Uh, you know, I see many things online, disgusting things online, that the, the trolls that aid and are complicit in, in my son's murder and his two friends, what they write about me, you know. And then you'll see things like, well, 13 years, that's long. No. Bear in mind, when they said 13 years, the next day you can look, right? There's a thing, it's, it's law, justice law summit, and you can look at the sentencing that someone got. The very next day that was dropped down to six. Right. So then when they went to the appeal courts, which we knew was going to happen. Yeah. The appeal went in after the date. So really, it shouldn't have been allowed. But of course, it was allowed. But we knew all this was going to happen. It wasn't a surprise. And then they reduced that to 10. That brings it straight down to four. You know, people think, oh, 10 years, 13 years, you know, even though he was on the wrong charge. Yeah. He, he should, should have been, been three times murder and two attempted murder, murders, because that's exactly what it was, you know. But people have got to also understand how the sentencing works. Now, the justice system, which is just a legal system, it's not about law, it's about legal. It's a legal system. It's completely different. When they talk about law, they're talking about legal law, right? They've got to understand it's back to front, upside down, inverted everything so where you correctly said james about the appeal courts when they reduced the sentence and said because the effects it had on him and his family not us is because the way they look at it when someone commits a crime they don't look at the devastating effects of the victim or their families or anything like that they just sit and think well why did they do that you know, why did they do that? They must have something wrong with them. What's the reasoning for that? And and, and, and make it look and try and paint and paint, paint it well, as if the criminal is the victim. 
Well, look what they did with the impact statements. They took the impact out of the impact statements. Yeah. My impact statement and the other families were sent in. You have to type it up, send it to the police. They go through it and see if it's okay to be sent to the judge. And bear in mind, this is meant to be how it's impacted you. Yeah, it has to go through this process of people looking at it and, and sending it back and saying, well, you can't say that, right? And then you having to rejig it. Well, why can't you say it, right? But again, it's about suppressing your voice. So anyway, mine went in and I actually drove all the way to Alberton Police Station and added more um, another time, a week later. And then obviously they were all put into the court. On the day of sentencing, the QC that was meant to be representing our children that clearly told us that he wasn't, the prosecutor clearly told us he wasn't representing our children, he was representing the state. Our children meant nothing, right? Had our impact statements and threw them, and I'm not kidding you, you have to be in this to see the treatment on top of what we were suffering, threw it across the table at me and to one of the other families and said, of course, that bit's there. If you're, if you're not happy to read it, then you won't be able to read it. And he'd crossed out the whole, the bit I added a week later, he crossed out all of that and he changed words in mine. He crossed out words and he changed them. When I got on the stand, I told the whole court, because the media were in there. So I told the whole court what the prosecutor had just done, because I weren't listening to them, because that isn't right, right? So I'm telling the judge, he's crossed out words. That's meant to be unlawful in their legal system. That's why when you sign a victim impact statement, you know, you put a line and you, you put your signature at the end, so no, no one can add anything, Yeah. But that's not the game you get when you go into the court or into the police. They just do what they want. So I said to her, and she's going, oh, please just read it. Please just read it. And I'm going, no, because it's wrong. So what I did, I, I, I read what I could. The bottom paragraph that he'd scrubbed out, I just couldn't see all my words. I couldn't remember them all either. But the bits where he changed words up there, I could obviously remember what I'd written there because it was just the odd word here and there. I read what I'd originally put. You know, and like when I got down off the stand, I said to him that thing, I said, you're going to rot in hell. And the media changed that to me saying, you're going to rot in hell, mate. Yeah, because that just gives a different perception, adding the word mate, to me just saying, you're going to rot in hell. You know, I certainly wouldn't call him a mate. It's just so um, peculiar. I don't understand why there would be... Well, I can understand because you've already laid it out. But why would there be any reason to villainise you, who is not a suspect in this case or anything? She's dismissing the official narrative of it. Yeah, you're a grieving mother. And why would the police not... like? Surely, if there's the potential of it being murder, you would see that through to the end. This is the way Absolutely. it's supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. See, the police from the start, not the not the first lot of police that arrived, because they've got a completely different story. The first lot of police that arrived, 
But the other police after that, the high up police, SO15, were at the scene. Yeah. There was another collision investigator at the scene that was in the Darren Osborne's court case. Right. So there was a lot of high up people at the scene. I can't name them all, but I've got the evidence of it. Yeah. And so once they started arriving, this is where the cover-up started coming. Yeah. So you've watched the documentary and at the end you hear me say that's part one. And there's enough in that documentary to show people to question the narrative of what the media and the police have said about our boys' case. There's enough in that. And I appreciate, Nick, that you, you've only watched that, you know, where I've done many videos, I've shown other evidence, you know, and so on on top of that. I have the collision report that clearly shows he never lost control of the cup, yet the media were portraying him as losing control of the cup. Yeah? And I've got a picture that I have never shown of that car at the scene, one of the pictures that the police photographer took. And that picture is very telling to everything, you know, but that type of thing, I can't say what that is, unfortunately, because there's a lot of stuff that I haven't put out there that we do know and we do have that we need for court. Because if I put everything out, Believe me, the judge will chuck that out on a technicality and say everything's out in the public domain and it may sway a jury and, and we'll chuck it out. So I can't take that chance on saying everything. But I've done enough over the last five years to let people know that I'm speaking the truth. My yeah. son was murdered and the ones in those in that car that night were protected. Yeah. I just want to say as well, Tracy, because not only... I just want to, it's for people that might not know, but the, the, the activism that, that you, that we did, not me as much, but you. So the attorney general's office storming into the attorney general's office and demanding a meeting, going to the coroner's office and demanding a meeting, uh, Sadiq Khan as well. And all of these, all of these individuals that have been complicit in the cover up. And, and this is how far up it goes, Nick. Like, so the, the attorney general day, that was the day of my court case with Subri, um they didn't like that either because when we went into that court we didn't we didn't respect them we treated them how they deserve to be treated like shit because what they did to what, what they did to tracy and the boys and so tracy went into the attorney general's office then the coroner's office as well um and then and then taking the message directly to parliament as well and being there every day and, and just to allude to what tracy said about the yellow vest it was about the the focal point of the yellow vest in my opinion was getting justice for the boys but it also encompassed all the other injustices that were taking place in the country and tracy gave a voice to people that wouldn't have otherwise got a voice and really tried to uh, really tried to help people and it's just so sad that like i keep saying we're five years on from it and there's a lot of people that don't talk about it anymore there's a lot of people that aren't talking about it and i feel in my opinion that everybody should be talking about what happened to Josh, Harry and George and everybody should be campaigning for justice because it's not an isolated incident. And and the way I look at it is if it had happened to my child, I'd want people standing up for my children and fighting and, and doing what they can to, you know, to help them get justice. Um, 
I guess it's so sad as well because obviously if you people that have watched the documentary, you'll see quite clearly in there that Nick Hurd, who's now conveniently a former MP, he'd actually written to the Attorney General as well and demanded a retrial, listed the four points for a retrial, and yet there's still silence from the Attorney General. Obviously, you know, they and, and, and this is the problem, right? The facts are there. The evidence is there. This case needs hearing again. That piece of shit needs to face the full force of British justice for what he's done. Because not only has he ruined the futures of three boys that would have gone on to achieve great things, but he's also ruined three families as well that will never recover from it. So as well as that crime, he, he needs holding to account for what he's done. And, and, and this is the sad state of the country that we live in, where politicians and, and journalists have conspired to cover up the murder of three children. And for me, that's something that needs shouting from the rooftops. All the people that have been complicit in this, they need confronting on a daily basis. They need to know what they've done. There's over 50 police officers, constables that are involved in this cover up. They're named in the documentary. These are the people that need holding to account because these are the people that have essentially perverted the course of justice by putting out a false narrative that this was just a drunken accident. The guy wasn't drunk. You should, in, in his statements that he made to the police after he'd committed that heinous crime, not one ounce of remorse. He even asked, would this take long because I've got work in the morning? Not one ounce of empathy or compassion when you've just taken away the lives of three children. And like, I get frustrated as well because there's a, I'm not going to name these people because I don't, I don't want to give them, I don't want to even, the, their names aren't worthy of being mentioned. But there's a lot of people that have been sent in on purpose to try and do damage to Tracy, to divert her attention away, to stop fighting from the boys and to start fighting with these trolls. And it's absolutely ridiculous. The facts, as I said, the facts are the facts. This is about three boys being murdered and the three families suffering ever since. Anybody with morals and anybody that is just will see that and will want to help. And and that's, I guess, going on to the next bit is why, why I wanted Tracy on tonight as well. Because we do start need to get in You know, we need to be getting active again. There's protests that are taking place all up and down the country, right? And they're against immigration. I, I agree with it. But ultimately, we need to be protesting against the political class and we need to be taking the Justice for Our Boys campaign and including it in that as well, because it, it, it needs the boys need justice. I don't know. I mean, I've said this for five years and I'll continue to say it until you do get justice. But this case is one that all of us, no matter what what politics you subscribe to it doesn't matter it's not about politics this is about what's right and what's wrong and as i said before there's over 50 police officers that are complicit in this cover-up the judges the politicians the the people in parliament boris johnson knew about this he was confronted on election night he's not done anything either so um yeah that, that that's the main focal point hopefully we'll be able to go into a bit more detail later on on how we can help kickstart the campaign again really to get to get the word back out there and, and, and get people behind this and standing up for those three boys. Well, well, changes need to be made. Just to say, Nick, um, you know, in the beginning, we was following all their processes, you know, trying to get a judicial review, trying to get the coroner to, to open up the inquest because just regarding the coroner, our boys were entitled by their own legal system, by their own legislation, they were entitled to a coroner's inquest. Subsection 2, Counteract Subsection 1 of the Coroner's Act. 
and our boys were entitled because they suffered a violent death so they were entitled to that inquest now our boy's file was with the Preter Monge coroner. So there's a coroner that was dealing with the Preter Monge case. As soon as that was ending, he was going to write to us and give us a date for the inquest for our boys. Lo and behold, there was a coroner who was on suspension. Right now, he lost. I don't know if you know the case of Alice Gross or Gross. I apologize if I've pronounced the last name wrong. But she was a 14-year-old girl who was raped and murdered and, and dumped in a river in Ealing. Now, he was the coroner to that, and he allegedly lost the file to that case on a train. This was this coroner, and he also was bullying his staff and things like that. Now, uh, and, the, and the file, weirdly, that he lost was the file that the parents wanted to know that this thing that murdered their daughter who happened to be found hanging a couple of weeks later in a forest on a tree um had come from abroad but murdered his wife in his in the previous country and her parents wanted to know whether you know his background was checked and blah blah, blah. and the coroner that was on suspension was the one who lost his file allegedly on a train well he comes in off suspension goes into the office of the Pressemanger coroner, takes our boy's file, writes to us and says, we're not having an inquest. That's it. Yeah. So you can work out why he was brought back in from suspension to do exactly that. So when we had that, we then followed the process of writing to the senior coroner, the chief coroner at the appeal courts to question and for him to look at look at what the lower coroner at West London Coroner's Call has done regarding our boy's case. We got a letter back from the chief coroner saying that he has no jurisdiction over the lower coroner. So all the, the IOPC, the IOPC, who we put a 48-page complaint into regarding the police, their election of duty, it's not even a complaint. You know, these are criminal charges, but they call them complaints. Yeah, tampering with evidence, perjury, everything regarding our boys' case. The IOPC cover for the police. They are part of the police. Every appeal avenue that you approach when when some, an injustice is done to you is covered by them. So in the beginning, we followed these processes. You know, I had many meetings with Nick Hurd before he ended up writing that letter now, when he wrote that letter, we'd showed him part of the evidence. So he was put in a position of no choice because he's now seen part of the evidence. So he wrote a letter, and in that letter, it was a strong letter. He, he writes in there that he, he's asking the Attorney General to have a meeting with us, that he's seen part of the evidence himself now, and it leaves doubt in his mind to the original conviction. So it was ignored. And then the two Attorney Generals that come after that, I resent the same letter to them and nothing, not even a courtesy reply. So when you're following their own processes to get listened to, to, to get the case looked at again, yeah, for someone to look into the police and see what they did, and it's all brick walls, what are you meant to do? Because what they want you to do is wear you down, shut the doors, and hope you sit down shut up and go away where they've worn you out 
Well, this is the kicker. At the beginning, you you said that people um, won't be interested in something unless it affects them, by and large. And I mean, hearing this story, the the question is: Well, what do people pay taxes for if not this? If when something horrific happens, there are these services which are built to protect British citizens, such as yourself, in in the case of an emergency, if that is not happening, then why the hell are we paying our taxes at all? Um, and I, I have to come to this conclusion with the police because I've heard so many negative stories about it and so few positive ones that it, it and I do think that this is a, this is probably an interesting time for us to be trying to light a fire under under this case and attention towards this issue again, because there is a lot of anger at the police and i think people are understanding that like the top brass of the met is basically stacked with rapists and uh fellows that have child porn on their computers and commit suicide when it comes out you know it's it's systemic in there i think it's a big barrel of bad apples yeah the 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 the, the met police are the biggest criminal network in the uk that's a fact yeah they're a law and they're a law unto themselves you know, and, and they're just policy police enforcers. That's all they've become. You know, they're not they're not doing they don't have any code of conduct. Listen, some hardened criminals have more of a code of conduct than the Met Police have. Mm. You know, because they have none. And exactly what you were saying, I believe they just let criminals in because they will do their dirty work for them. You know, when I had the meeting at um Patford Police Station. The copper there, who is in the documentary, Jenny DeFabio, she had, I can hear feedback, sorry. Um, but she had, um, three months after that meeting, she left. Now, I found her on, on two sites, one a yoga teacher on one side and one a psychologist on another. So what, what are you? One minute you've been in the Met Police for all these years and now you're a yoga specialist here and on this side you're you're a psychologist here it's it's all bizarre and it's odd yeah so so i think there's there's some details that came up in the documentary that we we haven't covered such as like the 999 call that was diverted to um the police when it should have been to the fire brigade and also uh, the fellows that were interviewed straight after by in the sort of 12 hours after the incident time bracket who weren't there or gave completely different testimonies. They weren't the people that should have been asked about it. There was all sorts of stuff people put in place right after it happened, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Nick. Now, uh, regarding the 999 calls, I'll just start there. Our boys' case was gold-paged. It was classed as a gold-paged incident. Now, that wasn't found in the police reports because the police just retype up witnesses' statements. They leave them unsigned. They retype their versions up. Yeah, they're not original statements. Yeah, this is what the police do because it's the CPS base the case on the evidence the police give them. So regarding that night, the police created the narrative to what happened that night. 
which was a fake story. And then the media joined in with that. So the police and media work together. That's a fact. That's a fact. Because mm -hmm. we know the press association, before we even knew and before we even got into court, knew that he was going to what he was going to plead. The press already knew that. How? Right. So you, you can see all the colluding together. So um, that was a gold page incident. And it is in official reports, but it's not in the police officials reports. I won't Sorry, say what does that mean exactly. Gold right. Page. So there's different levels, which means it's strategic. Yeah. And mm -hmm. a tactical operation. So yeah. then what happens is all the 999 calls that start coming in get diverted to a particular control centre. And all our boys' 999 calls got diverted to Lambeth Control Centre, where counter-terrorism is based. Yeah? yeah? That's where it got diverted to. Um, so that's, that's one thing, yeah? So then the police command it all. So they decide... Who turns up? Who doesn't turn up? Yeah? In the sense of emergency services. They make that decision. I now, mean, you already said that you had to wait what seemed like an age for a police officer to even address you. And then when they did, you just sort of shuttled off. Um, and that that isn't the case in all crimes. I don't know if you've ever had any other incidents with the police, but they're not always completely robotic, lacking in compassion. Sometimes they are just acting like decent human beings that are trying to like help the situation. But you are highlighting that in this case, that was not happening. And there was none of that. That was completely erased, right? All of it. All of it. Even after telling us there was three fatalities and then going off and pretending, you know, even on the news night, on the day of my son and Harry's funeral, on news night that night, they was even trying to portray that we had three liaison officers on the news. It was all a lie. We didn't. It was a total lie. But um, going back to... Um, where was we at? Oh, yeah. It was, it was about the um, people who got interviewed and shouldn't have been interviewed. Right, yeah. So, so I've said about the 999 calls, just to say, on the same road of the murders of my son and his two friends, is a fire service, fire station. 18 seconds it would have took them to arrive there, and they would have had medical equipment, yeah? Bear in mind, you had two severely injured, one had died instantly, two severely injured, and they were held off. They were held off for nearly an hour. Right, even though one of the 999 calls which you heard on that documentary um, pointed out she was saying it looks like the car's going to explode, it's smoking, they were still not called. They were held off, yeah? So that's the strategic part. And um, on the documentary, you're maybe talking about the one who said he wasn't on duty, someone else took the picture, yeah? Someone else took a picture. Can't remember who it was who took the picture. And, and there's, you know, the picture that, that you saw in the documentary of the car at the scene isn't right either. But I can't say no more than that. Yeah. But that particular man who um, was on the phone, who I was speaking to, would have known that as well. So, yeah, I believe people were placed at the scene. 
even though he is a security guard right next door to where this incident happened. Yeah, but he denies being there. He says someone sent it to him. Um, you can tell by the way he's speaking that he's lying. You can actually yeah. a lot yeah. of denying, and also with um, well, sorry, what was the woman you already mentioned? That, um, uh, Jenny Di Fabio, yeah, 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 the police officer. Well, yeah. it's just none like you've got these these calls recorded, and none of it strikes me as the kind of way that you should be dealing with a bereaved mother. That's that's what leaps out to me is that um, let's say that their narrative was correct. You would still be completely within your rights to be pursuing your line of, of thinking um, and to be treated with compassion throughout that. Like e even if you 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 were wrong about it, but it, it just doesn't look like anyone is treating you as a mother who's been through this. Well, I think, you know, you, you raise a good point in the sense that, you know, if we were wrong, which we know we're not, I wouldn't spend five years out here grieving Groundhog Day in the pain that I feel daily doing this if I was wrong, you know. Um, I'm certainly not wrong, so I just want to put that across. But with regards to what you said, if there was a mother out here that wasn't happy with what she'd been shown or wasn't happy with, you know, any evidence that she was being told, there should be a department that can sit down with them and go through it. Yeah? What is it that you feel is wrong? You know, our liaison officer, um, where his family, because his family lied in court at the Old Bailey and said that they were being threatened, they were being, they've been attacked and things. And in court, it was proved that that was all a lie. And then you find out in court that they have special numbers, his family, that they can ring if they need to. Where we had one liaison officer between four families who said she lost her mobile phone. So we had to wait till she got in contact with us. Yeah. So they was avoiding us as much as they could throughout this. Now, I had a four-hour meeting with the police, four-hour meeting. And in that whole four-hour meeting, I, I got all the other families to come as well, yeah, because everyone had questions. In that four hours, I never answered one question. The sergeant would sit there with a little black book, open it up, flick the pages and go, Oh, yeah, I haven't got the answer to that. I'll look into that and then I'll let you know once I've got the answer. They never ever run, they never ever gave us the answers. Yeah, because they knew we knew. They knew we knew they was lying. So they was trying to avoid us as much as possible. They didn't want to answer anything. When I researched, because the one they claimed was the driver, they wiped all his social media within 48 hours. Another one who was in the car, they didn't do that. And I found interesting stuff on this social media because I researched them myself. I found interesting stuff on his social media page. And he was born here, that one. But the one who they claimed was the driver, Janus Chudasama, wasn't born here. I couldn't find him anywhere in this country uh, before 2010. So when the liaison officer did ring me, I said to her, I said, have you researched them properly? I said, because I can't find 
Janice Tudor's armour anywhere in this country before 2010. She said to me, and she was adamant. She said, I'm telling you now, he was born here in Hillenden, like the other one in the car was born here in Hillenden. So I thought, okay, then, you know, fine, I may be wrong. When I went to the meeting at the CPS, and bear in mind, I took these pictures that I'd found on that other thing who was in the car who faced no charges on his social media page. I printed off and took into the CPS meeting with me. Um, it came out that Janus Chudasama was not in this country before 2010. And the liaison officer is in this meeting. So I looked directly out there at her. There's about 15 in this meeting with us, 15 people. And I said, why did you lie? Because why would you lie? What reason did you lie about that? And, you know, she never answered me and she has never answered that question today. She just looked and stared and that was it. And and it's details like that that, I mean, surely this is what set your alarm bells off in the moment on, on the night is the way that you're being treated. You, you're like, I don't I don't trust this. And that's going to force you to pursue it further. And it's actually it is it's, it's the reason that you're so steadfast in knowing that you're right, isn't it? It was about it was about four days later, Nick, that we realised the police was lying. Yeah, for certain for certain reasons, it was about four days later. Yeah, when things are starting to properly sink in. Yeah, because up until yeah. that, it's a blur. You know, it's very difficult. Yeah, situation, um, and. You know, but it was about four days in on the Monday, we realised the police were lying. One of the other families got a phone call. I can't really say the contents of what that phone call was. Yeah. And we're like, and we had visits on the Sunday. So putting together the Sunday, the phone call received on the Monday and going to the scene and looking at the scene to what they told us happened. Mm. Yeah? yeah? So the accumulation of those three things showed us 100% they were lying. Well, it's still horribly quick when you're, when you're grieving, you know, because obviously your head's, head's a mess when that's happening, but still only four days later to be hit with that reality as well it's just heartbreaking it's a really heartbreaking documentary and i'm going to make sure to mirror this to my odyssey channel because i think there's a lot of people that don't know that we do this i'm going to put this there just to just to get more attention on it because um because also if you're aiming for justice or anything through any legal system it is as snow it's as slow as a snail's pace so Cases like this, they can't be flash in the pan. They can't be a thing that people just focus on for a month and then move on to the next thing because it, it will take an awful lot of time. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I shouldn't have to wait to the, the police officers that were involved in this till they leave. And then it comes out. Just like Hillsborough, and they still never got justice nearly 30, nearly 30 years later. It's disgusting and it's wrong. You know, because my son's life mattered. Those two boys' lives mattered. Everybody's life matters, you know. And those in their ivory towers who treat us as if our life doesn't matter, 
you know, you spoke of other injustices straight at the beginning of this, this live feed, Nick, yourself, you know, that you're aware of and not where people are not being listened to. And it's wrong, you know. But the sad thing is, it's not the 99%, you know, against the 1%. It's probably about 4% against 96%, the other way around, and we're the 4%. Because the odds we're fighting against is so much and every injustice you know i care about people and i have always cared about people my job role is involved in that you know i'm a level three trainer in safeguarding of people i've trained many people to we wasn't treated like that when it was on the other foot wasn't treated like that i i went to hayes police station and i went using the discrimination act because our boys were discriminated against and I went using the Equality Act of 2010. And the inspector quite clearly was telling me that equality, discrimination, is really discretionary. Well, how can it be discretionary? So it's she stopped on the word, it's only for certain. And I said certain to get her to reiterate even more, and she wouldn't. Because if she had of, you know, then that would have been letting the cat out of the bag. Well, can you just um, can you just explain how you were planning on using that? So we have dereliction of duty. We have misconduct in office regarding our boys' case. We have perjury. The CCTV has been tampered with. Witness statements have been tampered with. Um, and our boys were discriminated against. They wasn't given the investigation that they deserve to have. And because you couldn't demonstrate that this was some kind of hate crime of a protected characteristic, basically because they're white boys, um, you don't count in that regard for an extra investigation. Absolutely. The natives don't count in this country. That's how they can have their agendas. They have to have a community that they don't protect. Because otherwise, they wouldn't be able to have the amount of genders they have. Because people like Owen Jones, who is paid to sit online and talk about white privilege, when the truth is, there is none. You know, the working class and the poor, yeah, are not treated right in this country. The natives are not treated right. That's a fact. I've seen it the last five years with my own eyes and how... We have been treated how my son was treated. Well, I, I think that it's a very fertile time at the moment in terms of mistrust. Um, I think there's probably never been so many people that have checked out of the whole political system and have cancelled their TV licence and all the rest of it. And I mean, when you're as far into this as we are, you know that it's all crooked and it's all designed to just well to punish us basically it wants us the native people to have nothing and i would actually say the migrant hotels at the moment like the stuff that james has been really focused on highlights it so starkly so that these people are fresh off the boat and you've got this many homeless people 200k yeah 200,000 um, no, I think so, it's gone up by, I think it's even higher than that. I think it's about 274. It increased by 25%. Yeah. Um, but it, it does highlight, it, 
it does highlight the fact that we are second class citizens in our own country. And this case alone highlights that. And what I want to go go to as well is if you look at the lengths the media went to like to demonize because there were so many hit pieces on it from the BBC to Channel 4 to all of the news channels, like they purposely went out of their way to try and discredit um to to, to basically discredit what we were saying and that's why they kept wheeling out the narrative of the drunk driver and it was you know it was death by dangerous driving it was an accident it wasn't an accident no under no circumstances was that an accident and if you go back to the collision report and and this needs reiterating as well because everybody's oh he pleaded guilty he pleaded guilty right at the last minute and still got the full credit and it it was that right it was a deal it was a deal yeah but it was also pleading guilty to the wrong charge. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind yeah. of irrelevant anyway, because, yeah, guilty, not guilty on dangerous driving is nothing compared to murder. Exactly. Yeah, and also as well, the... Um, oh, I exactly. lost my train of thought there. Um, you'll have to come back to me. That's gone out my head. I hate it when I get moments like this. Yeah. I have something in my head. I mean, what I wanted to highlight with the, with the migrant hotels and that is because that is quite... It's quite major news, you know. Farage, I think, is is on about it quite a lot. And so people can see it, and there is, like, an anger for it. And it's just that you need to take from that and extrapolate out that the whole thing is the same way. And that's basically Tracy's case, is that, um, yeah, look, look at what's going on there. It's really obvious. But, hey, what if you're in a crisis and then you need help? Um all of these systems are set up the same way, and um, and so I'm I'm really, you know, I'm really struck that you, um, when you're going through this, like, have the idea to go to Speaker's Corner. How 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 long after it actually happened was that? This is a big. Well, I went there on the 18th. Yeah, I went there on the 18th of March 2018, and this happened on the 26th of January 2018. Yeah, and so just and... under two months later. I mean, it's 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 a really profound idea, actually, because people don't use Speaker's Corner for that. They kind of use it for debates and religious fervor and stuff. Yeah, uh, which it never used to be. It never used to be for that. No. You know, it wasn't a religious corner. It's Speaker's Corner, you know, which has now become religious corner. But then that's all about creating divides and arguments, isn't it? You That's know, why I love it down there, Trace. <laughs> I, I, I think it's so important for us to reclaim it. Yeah, it was actually one of the other parents who said about Speaker's Corner, you know, because we was like, how are we going to get this message out there of what happened to my son and the fact, and, and George and Harry, and uh, it's all been covered up and it's been lied about and the media are lying. When you're spending three hours with the media and you're telling them everything, and then when you get that magazine or newspaper, open it up and it's completely different. You soon start seeing everything. And just going on something that James said earlier, where he said, you know, I, I didn't want to do this. I didn't. Before I came out onto the streets, I never knew what was going on in them. I never knew. though. I've met people that have been demoing since the 80s. I never knew all this was going on because it's completely hidden by the media, unless they want to make it look like a riot. Yeah, if they want to make it look like a riot, then they will print that. Um, so I wasn't aware of all of that, or all these injustices, all these families that I've met since coming out here. Had I known that, had I known that, I know 
what type of woman I am. I know, had I known that prior, I would have been out here. Prior to what happened to my son, I would have been out here. Because it matters to me if the next door neighbor's child is abused or the neighbor up their road, their child's been murdered. It matters to me. And it should matter. You know, the one great thing that we used to have in this country was values and morals. You know, and good men would stand up when a wrongdoing was done. And now they're watering everything down, you know, um, distractions everywhere so people can't stop and think and focus on what matters. And people matter. I, I think... I think the kicker is they've made it hard for the the committed thinkers and doers to find each other. We we basically live in a more fractured time, and I think all of the institutions have basically been infiltrated or bought. So they're now they're now gone. There may have been a time when there were politicians who actually gave a shit. I'm not sure what year you would pinpoint the sort of death. Point at, but I'm not sure I've ever really seen it because I grew up with Bush's wars, which was not nice. Um, so, so I think I think the kicker is that you do need to do stuff like Speaker's Corner. Um, and I went out to so many of those lockdown protests when um, they were happening early 2021, which is interesting in itself from the media perspective because they were absolutely enormous. They were really huge, upwards of six figures of people. Um, just no no mention of that. I mean, that's just news in itself. But it's, but what I'm getting at there is the gaslighting is getting is getting too strong. And I think it's even happened with GB News now, where like GB News got rid of Mark Stein and they've now got a bunch of Tory MPs that they've given shows to. And it's like this is supposed to be the alternative to the BBC. It's like it's like it's impossible for anyone to do anything in a suit and tie without being corrupt and, and bored. Yeah, well, not, you know, a lot of the alternative media really is mainstream media. You know, with just a different word in front of it, you know, because it's all about distraction, hiding the truth, smoke and mirrors, you know, and and everything else, everything that I've, I've learned being out here, like the legal system, you know, what that is. And, you know, what what our aim is, is to get have, what we have to do is get a private prosecution against the police, show what the police did, which is going to be very easy to do once we can get in there, and then get the correct charges for all of those that were in that car that night. And this is the key. You've actually, you've got the evidence and it's pretty easy. Like I've watched the documentary. Um I, I can see the, the simple bits of evidence that you've got. Um, but yeah, you're up against this brick wall of going, well, the people that I have to present the evidence to are the very people that are saying it doesn't count or you've got to jump through this hoop or whatever. It's kind of like, it's like me going to Ofcom to complain about misinformation from my perspective, which is the opposite to theirs because they want to censor me. Um, it's like a Kafka novel. It's horrible. Maybe it's time to visit the Attorney General's office again. Maybe it's time to... Because um, to, I, I think stuff like that, that got so much 
attention. Like, you know, I remember seeing the Sky News notification, Tracy, the yellow bar across the bottom, yellow vest protesters are inside the Attorney General's office and, and things like that, though. But that go that shows the lengths that you have to go to to be listened to. And it's... This is what I mean. So how many attorney generals have we had now since, since so it was 2018. So we've had, you had the prime minister. Then well, I know of four. I know of four. Yeah, it was Theresa May. Then it was, then it went to Boris, didn't it? And then it was Sunak. So there's been three prime ministers and two cabinet changes. So yeah, four. So there was, uh, Jeffrey Cox was one of the attorney generals. At the last yeah, by the way. Yeah, what yeah. was that, sorry? Then there was Suella. You missed a whole Liz Truss in there. Oh, yeah, I forgot. We yeah, had Liz yeah, Truss yeah. Prime Minister. <laughs> well, she's a forgettable lady. Well, they Very do that. The reason, yeah, the reason why there's so many of them as well is because they come in, create chaos, create havoc, you know, pretend one thing, then do another. And then they move them along so they face no accountability. Yeah, that's what they did with Sturgeon up in Scotland. That's exactly it? what they do, yeah. You know, and and... Look, at the end of the day, when's enough enough? But the trouble is they've downtrodden people so much and over the years, you know, taking their will of that fight that they have, that they were born with, you know, that I was born with. And I believe, you know, most natives in this country are born with that. It's inbred in us. It's in our blood to always face our enemy, not to turn our back or run and hide. And the amount of people that I come across that, that says, well, you know, but we can't do anything, it's too late. We're not born to be defeatists. We're not no, born that way. Anyone who can't understand what I do as a mother or what I've done as a mother in the last five years, to me, I don't understand them. What no. you wouldn't do knowing your son was murdered. You wouldn't do what I do. No matter how hard it is, no matter what I felt, every Saturday I got up and turned up in London at Trafalgar Square. No matter what I felt. You know, Amen. to do the right thing by my son and those two boys, but not just them, the children and the grandchildren. Of, of these lands that we live in deserve a much safer place than what they live in right now. That's being taken away from them, though, by the political class and their policies. And then and the trouble is people get stuck into a vicious... So this is, this is so frustrating about the majority of the population because they aren't awake to what's going on. Like, I've started using other social media platforms now and you can see you can see in the comments, vote reform, and it's like, you're literally directing people to a Tory pressure valve. And these people, I've met Richard Tice. I don't get good vibes from him at all. He's he, he's pushed the vaccine onto children. He's mates with his Mrs. Ghost wrote Matt Hancock's book. Like, they're all in this together. And this is why you never see any major change in this country. Essentially, I like to think that we... We don't, people say we live in a two party system. We don't. We live in a one party system that's the political class. They don't care whether they're the opposition or whether they're in government. They're still getting their 88 grand a year paycheck with, with all their expenses on top of it. And the fact is that these politicians are the ones that should be, you know, that 
they should be the ones they're there as representatives of the people so they should be you know they should be our representation and there's not one politician out there today that i could say that i identify with or he represents me but not only that it, it it's like i said it's just so it, it's such a sad world that we live in and this country and what it's suffered over the past five years has been like just from the past five years alone like if you compare the state of the country now to how it was five years ago it's a whole different ball game. Like they're not even hiding their intentions of what they're doing to people anymore. And the blatant character, like the character assassination against you has been absolutely horrendous to, to witness over the years. The lengths that trolls and, and people that are sent in by the police to cause problems, what they've done and what they have said about not only you, but the boys as well. These are some of the most morally reprehensible people I've ever come across in my life. And, like, I, I guess the point that I'm trying to get to is what is it that we can do now to help you? Like, I want to, like, I want to do what I can to help. Like, once the band's finished and, like, what, we've got a year and four months, like, do they really understand what's going to go on? Because there's going to be a massive Justice for Our Boys banner outside of Downing Street again. There's going to be megaphones and there's going to be call-outs to every group and individual in this country that's not a grifter and that is actually moral and just to get down to Parliament and occupy it. Occupy Westminster. Like, we had so much... We were getting so many people listening and coming out onto the streets. And that's what the establishment were terrified of. That's why certain individuals sent certain individuals in to try and cause problems, because they knew the effect that we were having. And we were having a major effect. And it felt like, you know, like we used to go out on on the yellow, you know, the early yellow vest protest and the, the way that we'd get treated by the, they didn't send normal police out. They, what was it? TSG tactical support group that were attacking elderly women leading demonstrations, like, and the way that they went for us. And it, like, like I said, I just can't believe that. Well, I can believe, but it's just so depressing to know that we live in a country now where the police and the state willfully cover up the murder of three children and then sabotage the grieving mother as she's fighting for justice. Like that should be ringing alarm bells in everyone's head that's watching this that prob that, that doesn't know about it. There was um just to go on to the chat. There was a. Uh, there was a there was a lad in here called Reboot Reboot Needed, and he wants to know where the documentary is. You can find it on um, Tracy's YouTube channel. Um, it's also on your Facebook as well, isn't it, Tracy? Yeah, but see, I mean, I was lucky on Facebook, but when I put the documentary out, I had people ready because I am heavily shadow banned. I had people ready, and you was one of them, James, wasn't you? To as soon as I put it out, start sharing it everywhere. So on Facebook, it got the accumulation of YouTube, Facebook and other sites was over half a million views all in all, you know. So we did really well to get that out there because we know how heavily shadow banned I am. But just to say thank you to whoever has messaged that. It's Tracy, daughter of Leonard, do the YouTube one because Facebook can hide those links when you click on it. Uh, Tracy, daughter of Leonard, and it's the video that's got, I think it's what 90 odd thousand views. Uh, and if you look for the video with 90 odd thousand views, you'll see that's the video. Thank you for asking. Um, you know, I, I stood going on, you, you said like one party and you're absolutely right. There's no true representation 
uh, for the people. And, and, and I didn't just learn that by being out here and, and speaking out. I stood as an independent in the last general election and I can't stand politics. But I did it in the hope that if I got in, I could help the people in my community. Um, I was hid from hustings, so I see how it, I see it, see how it all works. You know, voting. It's just the little man that's sitting in the voting booth, taking them in his car. You know, it's just a cross on a paper. All of that. There is no true representation, and when you consent to be governed, it doesn't matter who's in. When you pick an MP, that MP, if you look in their legal law dictionaries, it means they speak for you. They're your voice. So whether they do something wrong or right, they're still your voice. There's no accountability to what they do because to them, you've chosen them, even though you haven't really, chosen them to represent your constituency. They're not there. What Nick Hurd left, he stood down something like just over six days, six days later after sending that letter to the Attorney General with four points for retrial and stating that he'd seen the evidence himself. And and the some of the evidence he saw is not in that documentary, by the way. Yeah. So and it left out in his mind. That's a strong letter from an MP to an Attorney General who's meant to be the highest minister in the land, right, which got completely ignored. But he sent that. Six days later, he got shipped over to the Northern Ireland office. Then just a few weeks later, stood down as an MP. And I never got another response to an email again after that letter. But I'll always be grateful for that letter because he did send it and he cc'd boris johnson now boris johnson was the mp to one of the other parents who did have a meeting with him because he's the mp in hinnenden and he put his head in his hands boris johnson saying i don't understand this i don't understand this this was before the letter went out from nick Hurd, by the way this was before when he was shown the collision report because the collision report clearly states he never lost control of the car. So that was shown to Boris Johnson as the MP to one of the other parents. He put his head in his hand, I don't understand, I'll have to do something about this. And he did nothing. He did nothing. I had a meeting with Sadiq Khan, yeah, who six weeks after that meeting, we should have had disclosure given to us by the Met um, Commissioner, the borough commissioner at the time of Hillingdon, who was also in that meeting. Six weeks later, we hear nothing. We then email him and he writes back and says he misunderstood the meeting. This is what they do. So they will play the game of having a meeting with you and play the game to pretend to you that they're going to do this, this, that and that. And when you leave, it's all, it's all gone out the window because they're not doing anything. It's just a facade, you know. The world is really a stage. Yeah, you have to pursue all of the official channels first, because if you haven't done that, then they will say, well, have you pursued the official channels? And you've exhausted all of them. And I'm really glad that James brought up Richard Tice, because that's kind of that's being presented as an alternative at the moment. Um, and I think that these WhatsApp 
leaks in the Telegraph and the fact that uh, Oakshot and Tice are a thing. I mean, don't ignore that. This is all this is all one thing that's going together, and it's to offer you a, a voting way out of this. Lend your vote to this person because you you absolutely nailed it there when talking about consent to be governed. At this point, no, absolutely not. I don't I don't have any respect for the political establishment i don't have any respect for the police i might be subject to their laws i guess but i don't i don't respect them and therefore and i'm not going to pay them any respects like voting or or believing in this as a system and I, i want to get the british people to that point where there's just a critical mass of people that can see that you shouldn't respect this system you should reject it i, I wouldn't no, aim to it from from within I think that's gone. What yeah, the police that? don't. Yeah, the police don't deserve right because this is what annoys me about half. Of, I'm going to go on a bit of a rant here, right? Because being an activist for five years, one thing that I've learned is you don't work with the police. You don't tell them where you're protesting, and secondly, you don't respect the police either. And this is one thing that really annoys me because there's groups and there's people that will go on about how we have to respect the police and how they're just doing a job. And we heard it from that lady at the Britannia this week. This is just my job. Well, your job is to fuck over the British people. If that's your job, then I and other people will be holding you to account over it. And this is the problem. And this is the same excuses you constantly hear all the time from coppers. I've spoke to a few of them when we've done sleep outs at Downing Street and they've come up to you when you're not filming and say, oh, well, you know, we actually agree with you, but we can't actually say anything because we don't want to lose our jobs. And it's like, so you're willfully choosing to self-censor and not put across your opinion because you've got a mortgage to pay and you're scared of losing your job. Well, this is exactly how the state gets people because they're in the state's pocket and they will always protect the state because the state are the ones that are feeding their families and and this is the problem i guess where people they have to draw a line in the sand and they have to realize the fact that none of these institutions in this country the police the nhs none of them have got our best interests at heart and it is the job of the police to consistently try to incriminate people this is why you don't work with them on demonstrations by telling them where you're going or what you're doing because they'll do everything in their power to close it down and that's why i believe the yellow vest had so much success is because we stuck our fingers up at the police and said no we're not telling you where we're going we'll walk where we want we'll block roads we'll do this and we're not going to be told what to do by state bully boys and and like i said i guess my my disdain for the police comes from numerous like trumped up charges and silly arrests and for the fact of what they've done what they've done to Josh, Harry and George, and not only what they've done to Josh, Harry and George, but what they've done to the thousands of girls in this country that have been raped and groomed and to all of the other victims as well. Because like from my own personal experience, I've been in a court case where I was the victim and Tracy remembers this court case very well. It's the one we nearly got done for contempt of court when we asked the judge how many kids he'd got downstairs when they'd uh, when they'd kicked me out for, um, for for questioning the prosecution. But I was the victim in that case. I'd been attacked by a Polish communist who'd punched me in the face. And I was treated as though I was the criminal because I had right wing views. And the, this is what I'm getting to, like the there's just no there's no justice system it favors the criminals and 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 like you said we're unfortunately being white and working class we come from the worst possible group because we're the ones that have always been discriminated against you know you go back hundreds of years it was always the working class that was discriminated against and 
I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, as well, I know politics, the left and right labels used to divide, but it's almost like there's been a complete switch because years and years ago, it was it was the left that were talking about freedom of uh, freedom of speech, freedom of expression, being against pharmaceutical companies. And now if you look at the roles, it's like the left have completely switched. And now they're towing this like, I'm not saying it's all of the left, but they're towing this government line where it's, you know, they want to be they they're just they're just not defenders of freedom of speech freedom of expression and it, it's completely flipped i guess the point that i'm getting to is we we've just we live in a country that's completely gone and if we are going to try and change it then not only do we need to rid ourselves of the political class but we also have to get rid of the many well not get rid of them but get 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 these people out of these institutions that are causing the damage because you look at the civil service for example that's just full of woke lefties that are like a lot with the asylum claims as well all of these people that are issuing these asylum that, that are dealing with the asylum claims are either foreign or they're of that mindset where they want to encourage open borders policies um so yeah it's just like i said it this country, there's there's so many issues that are taking place at the minute, and and like you said rightfully so earlier, it is it's fertile again. People are becoming uh, there's such a level of mistrust within the system. It seems like this is ready. Like if we are to try and make a stand and actually try and change things, then we do need to get out there as soon as possible, and we also need to. But I think I think the problem is as well. There's a lot of people within this movement, and I'm not talking just the right. I'm talking the whole thing. There's a lot of people that are put there on purpose to cause distractions and take you down a wrong path. So ultimately, you lose your focus and the focus should be the political class because it's the political class that are the ones that are screwing the people over of this country. And like I said, I just my take home from this stream is I just want people to get behind Tracy and get behind the boys case because it, it's imperative that we do. Like, I'm going to reiterate it again. Three boys were murdered. There should have been. Thankfully, it wasn't five but you know he'd hit two so that should have been attempted murder and there's the three murders so those are the charges that that driver that jane s judas Sama should be facing three murders and two attempted murders and for me it's one of them it's imperative that that happens so tracy like i said i said to you before i'm going to announce this publicly now as well so i'm not i'm not begging for money or anything but what i'm offering people and especially for the people that don't like me as well this is going to be right up your street Last time I raised money for justice for our boys, I decided to dress up like a woman and uh, went through London uh, dressed in drag. And I went to a mill. I went Millwall at home after, didn't we? We went down there. Did you read in the library, perchance? Did no, you read, read in the library? I didn't go that far, Dick. But the libraries is on the agenda. Maybe there'll be a drag queen confronting another drag queen soon. But no, the point I'm getting to is this. Look, um... I want to do what I can to try and help Tracy again. I've not been that active over the past couple of years due to obviously having a young family now and, uh, and other things, but I can raise money for Tracy and the boys and I'm going to. So I'm going to get a full body wax, my eyebrows, my beard, my legs, my chest, my back everywhere. And we want to raise money to do it. And that is going to go towards funding for a private prosecution against the police. So I'll get the details out. I'll get Tracy uh, to sort of date out. We'll even live stream it as well. And there's a lot of people in this country that don't like me. So if, if you want to pay a pound to see me in pain, um, then do it. But that's just one of the small things. Trace, do you want to, are you able to go into any more detail about other things that we that you've got lined up? Or is that off the cards at the minute? Um, no, we are we are trying to raise a fundraising event. Um, 
you know, hopefully in roughly six months' time. And, you know, we've got Brian the Lion, a dear friend of mine, and you, James, you know, who's going to do a sponsored shave and things like that. And it's because it's the only way to get a private prosecution is funding. Now, we tried this in early 2018. Um, the first fundraising we did closed early. I don't know why. So we opened another one and then that got shut down and everyone got paid their money back. Um, then we started going around uh, with buckets at football, football matches with the football lads. They were great, you know. Um, you know, Millwall have been fantastic supporter of the boys, the boys story and, and trying to raise funds. And um, December 2018, Brian the Lion was threatened of arrest. Um, it was a game between Charlton and Gillingham, I think. No, Charlton, uh, Millwall at Charlton. I remember that day. Yeah, right. And... Um, when he was threatened to arrest there, I'd, I'd had enough. I thought, I'm not doing this no more. I was getting lied about online. They were saying that I was taking all the money, spending it on cocaine, uh, spending it with James on cocaine. You know, they all do. sorts of They do. Yeah. Anyone who's trying to raise money. It yeah, just... yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But I've, I've never, ever asked for a penny from me. It's always been about the boys. And we've, we've had to pay for private investigators, which we did out the funding. Uh, two hours with solicitors was costing us £1,440. That's two hours. They wanted £11,000 to view the CCTV that we have because we have the CCTV to that night. Um, so it's a huge amount of money. There's two reports that we need. I can't say what they are, and I, I'm really sorry that I can't, but if you give your enemy... They're going to know what you want to do. You're giving them a heads up. You're giving them a heads up of when you do get to court, some of the things that are going to be in the court. Now, you know, these reports cost thousands to be done by the profession, but that's how they do it. That's why they can do what they want to us, because they know that the poor and the working class don't have the money to, to fight back. The only way to fight back, unfortunately, in their legal system is back into the appeal courts which costs thousands and thousands of pounds. Now, I've been trying to learn the legal system myself so to, to save costs, so at least to be able to get it in there somehow, to know what the forms are, to fill in the right forms, how to fill it in, you know, your witnesses and your witness statements and, and everything else. And it's a lot of work. It's not done overnight. You know, it takes a couple of years to get this thing together. But unfortunately, you need money to do that. And I hate that. I hate asking. I'm not comfortable with it. I'm someone who's always worked my whole entire life. Had I owned my own home and not lived in a housing association house, I would have remortgaged it and not thought twice to do that. And then I would have been able to do it myself. But unfortunately, I was the only one who wasn't in that position to do that. Um, so unfortunately, I've had to swallow my pride and, and do that, and to then have all those lines on top—it's—it's—it's it's, it's horrendous. It's not nice, you know. But you have to take it on the chin, sticks and stones, and you have to carry on and move forward because what they do want to do is stop you. So since last year, this is how minimal it is. And don't get me wrong, I'm very grateful for every penny that we've ever received for the boys. I just want to reiterate that. But we've been raising again 
since March last year, which is year a year, uh, what's been paid in online, it's just accumulated to over £600 in a year. And then aside to that, £900-odd from Millwall again, yeah, in a bucket, £900-odd. And we're grateful for every penny. But these people that go spurting around and saying we're raising tens of thousands of pounds, it, it, it's fabricated. They're fabricating it and they're lying because they don't want people to donate. I see people write that I, I go on holiday and, you know, don't donate to her because she goes on holiday. These are the things I've had to put up with when yeah. all they're trying to do is stop the truth getting to court and stop injustice for my son and those two boys. So we will be uh, raising, trying to raise funds, holding a big event, um, uh, you know, for people to come to, the general public to come to and attend um and and put on entertainment and you know fundraising like james dressing as a woman um i've said i'll get a body like i'm not uh? dressing as a woman no women again uh, i mean I don't yeah, this is the thing you get in trouble for that now like i i dressed as a woman when i was 18 and this this is one of those things that also will be used against you like you're a grifter you ask for money oh you wore a dress therefore you support the current agenda yeah people use against me do you know what a lot of people have used against me over the years oh well you've yeah. got a mixed race daughter it's like mm -hmm. oh so you're bringing my child into it now i've had like i've had messages before of weirdos online uh i'm not going to say his name but um basically stating that me losing my daughter was the best thing that could happen because she'd be amongst their own kind it's um it's really <laughs> what comes from because we we've highlighted that like the establishment you know completely gaslights us and wants the worst for us the left similarly not not good people over there Ooh, ooh, the trolls on your own side. The trolls are actually... They're worse than any left-wing troll I've ever encountered. The ones it's on this side point. are the worst of the worst. Like, they will they will lie and they will admit to lying in voice notes to help further certain people. Like, and this is what you're up against. People that are like, I don't lie. Like, what's the point in lying? Like, just tell the truth. Because deep down, you know, if you tell a lie, like, it, it is wrong. And at the end of the day, lies always come out. And why would you want to be known as somebody that would be willing to lie for somebody? That's not what this is about. This is about truth honesty justice and everything everything that should be right in this country that's not right in this country like like i said it is extremely frustrating to have so many people that claim to be of a certain like side political ilk um that spend their time trying to discredit other causes like and then the bite back from this comment will be oh well you slag off people and the difference is no i've only ever called out people that deserve to be called out because of what they've done personally to myself and also to what they've done to the wider great british public which is deceive people and use people's emotions to essentially make money off it and there's numerous voice notes of people saying i'm doing i'm doing i'm trying to make a living out of this like and 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 this is the problem i guess the way i look at it is the you're either doing this and you're putting your head above the parapet because you want to make a change in this country and you actually believe in what you say, or you're simply doing this because you want to be famous, you want people to like you, and you want to earn a living off of the back of people suffering. Like that's what that's what gets on me so much. And I guess I guess I, I struggle to keep my mouth shut. I'm one of these people that just speaks whenever I don't care. Like I'll I'll drop a mic, speak and walk out. Like I like seeing people's reactions. 
But the point is, I don't. I guess the point I'm trying to make is like there's enough of us within this community to all pull together and actually try and make a difference and actually try and reclaim this back from people that have essentially soiled what this message is about. And like, I, yeah, it's it, like I said, it, it's it's extremely frustrating at the minute because there's, there's so many there's so many for issues that are going on in the country and people are just being led down the wrong path again and nothing's going to change unless people occupy parliament. Like, if you yeah. want to change this country, you need to be at Parliament. You need to be there getting the message there, confronting the politicians, confronting the journalists, rocking up outside Rishi Sunak's premises at Downing Street so they know that you're there because when they know, they don't like it when you're there. They don't want they don't want tourists and everyone seeing the British people protesting against their perfect regime. It's why they go out of their way to try and stop protests there. Like that's the place where you're going to make a difference. And I keep reiterating it and it's so frustrating because I've got another year left before we can do it. But Tracy, you you were there as well when we, we slept outside Downing Street and we told everybody about what happened to the boys and, and how uncooperative were the... Actually, can we explain what the police did? Because we, we'd booked that whole venue. Well, we'd not booked it, but we'd when they came over to us, we said, yeah, we're going to be here for this amount of days. We're not moving. And they actually moved us out, didn't they, on that big protest? They, there was about... Well, yeah, no, they tried to. They sent in their bullying police. And I, I feel I filmed that. I think with I think that's still up somewhere because yeah. I was refused. But I was speaking at the demo at the same time, the DFLA demo that was being hosted further up. Yeah, and they wanted us out. We was due to be there for four days. Yeah, and they wanted us out, but we had all our stuff in what they call the pen. Operative word, isn't it? The pen. And. Um, yeah, so they wanted us out because they said they'd made it a sterile area, but all our stuff was in there, so I was refusing to leave. But in the end, you, that was the TSG that come, you know, the bully boy, the bully boys and bully girls police, and uh, who come and was trying to turf us out, but refused to go and wouldn't come out of the gate. And in the end, I said to the constables, that the other police, that they were causing alarm and distress, and can you move them out of the way? And they actually did which was quite surprising. They did actually move on away. But just to say, two weeks before I was in the pen, you had the veterans doing a sleep out there and they had tents up in there so they could sleep in the tents. They do it once a year. And when we went and stayed in there, we put a, a little tent up that had a portaloo in it. So it was only a little tent with a portaloo. Lo and behold, down come the police in the car and they said that they'd just been sent. I can't, James, where did they say, who did they say sent them? Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember who they said sent them, but they said we have to take it down. I said, well, there's a portaloo in there. Well, you have to take it down. We don't care. We can't see what's in there. I said, well, come in and have a look what's in there. You know, come and see what's in the tent. No, you've got to take it down. They won't allow. I said, but two weeks ago, you know, people were camping here, veterans were here, and they were allowed tents. Why are we not allowed to tent? Anyway, we had to take that down that night, but the next day we just put it up again and left it there. But, yeah, anything to make anything awkward for us? I mean, I'm, I'm slightly apprehensive about going full-time against the government because I pretty much did in 2021 and didn't get very far because they're never even in Downing Street. But uh, what's come through in this interview is that like 
none of them are on your side. There are all sorts of containment traps. So if there is someone to support, they're going to be crooked anyway. We need to scratch each other's backs. Uh, another thing I've ascertained is that all the hate that we just discussed in the last 10 minutes, the trolls and that, that that's bred on social media. And I think that doing stuff in real life is a real good disinfectant for that. Uh, I found that as well. These communities which breed online and do their little Call of Duty thing. Like, when you look someone in the eye and shake their hand and just suss out what they're really like, this this stuff doesn't fly anymore. And weirdos do actually get pushed out of the circle. They're not allowed to flourish if we just do a bit more in person. And I, I wonder if there was actually some pretty fantastic momentum. And then we got hit with lockdown and it was illegal to do anything. Um, but I see that as the future. I want to get involved and do some fundraisers and just and just fun stuff. It, it, you know, it is more fun watching James get waxed than um, than shouting at number one. I reckon. No, we can do both. Yeah, we'll be like I said. We we have. I mean, this, to be fair, there is stuff that you can do in your local community as well. Um, obviously, with with the boys' case, we were going into. There was that day where we did the nationwide leafleting day, didn't we? And we had everybody up and down the country, loads of towns and cities just out delivering leaflets about what had happened to the boys, how people could get involved and how they could help. So I think stuff like that. But I agree with your point as well. I think a lot of a lot of the online stuff allows weirdos to flourish. And like you said, if you meet people in real life, you're better able to get a better judgment of as to who they are as a character. I mean, I'm not going to lie. We've had some infiltrators sent in over the years. There have been some real corkers, people that you wouldn't even suspect. Of, and like, so we're, we're ready for it now. Like, this is it. We're, we're experienced in all of this now. And, and ultimately, like I said, the point of this is to get people talking about what happened to the boys again. Because everyone, like, rightfully so, everybody's talking about the big issues that are at place in this country at the minute, the most prominent being the vaccine injuries, lockdowns, and the migrant hotels. But at the same time, we can't allow cases that need exposure to be to just be forgotten about. Because at the end of the day, there's still families suffering, there's still children that well, have lost their sibling. And like, I've, I've... It's not safe. You've got no protection. Hmm. The natives in this country have no protection and their children have no protection and they, their children, their grandchildren have no, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse and it's not going to get any better if there's no changes, you know, and that's what's also important to know. So I need justice for my son and those two boys, but on top of that, we need changes to safeguard the rest of the children. You know, because I can get justice for my son going, getting a private prosecution if we raise the funds, getting the reports we need for court, uh, so we can call, call professionals in and, and, and other stuff, which I can't say. But you want changes from that because I know what happened to my son is not isolated, just like any child that's been abused groomed groomed and paedophiles that's the same thing paedophiles groom you know it's. It, it's all what the same thing. It shouldn't be separated. Separated is divide and conquer. Like all the different... Someone did raise a good point when I said this to him the other day. I, I, I met someone who had been abused as a child and he's, you know, standing up. He wants changes in the police, blah, blah, blah. And I said, but isn't it better that all the injustices 
come together and then it's stealth mode yeah and exposing how many they are to make changes you know you need to expose the amount that there are and then um he said to me but you know i think if people do that it may water that that particular injustice down but it doesn't it doesn't because it's as a whole no one should have to suffer losing a child you know is is just the worst thing ever and i don't want that to happen to another family and it is happening it's happened before our boys and it's happened since you know our boys case will open up a can of worms and that's why they want to keep it hidden and just to say nick one more thing because i know time's getting on now um thank you to the listeners i'm sorry i couldn't see any of your messages or anything like that but i appreciate whoever's been on here and listening thank you just to say regarding our boys it was a fake witness they used so it was a real man yeah but he was never there at the scene can all be proved he wasn't there at the scene we can prove it just by the cctv alone that he wasn't there they didn't use any first-hand witness that was at the scene they brought in their own fake witnesses their own fake witness and his statements don't even match the scene that's how bad it is well all the details have been you know absolutely terrifying but it had it's been a real pleasure to talk to you and get to know you, you today you know, you're clearly a real warrior and uh, any friend of this guy is a friend of mine so um i look forward to doing what i can to help you out in the future thank you appreciate that and just to say because you gave me a thought you was right in what you said about you know how this side you know we know divide sides are just another divide to stop people coming together yeah but let's just go on that. You was right on what you said, because I'd rather, and I've had it, I've had hope, not hate, and I've had stand up to racism, do posts about me, even Antifa, who, you know, most, a lot of them are police. Even Antifa has, has written things about me, yeah? Because that's all that side. But it's just an article. But, and not only that, you know that everyone on this side know what they are, so doesn't believe that. But when you're getting loads and loads of an attacks from people that are meant to be standing for what you're standing when they're actually not, they're here to infiltrate us, you know, and, and to divide us and put us in more smaller fractions. Yeah. Keep watering us down. Um, you know, you're right. What would you rather have if you had to choose all day long? Just put me in an article that everyone this side will know ain't true anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, well, those of us that have been through it, I think we're clinging together now because we look at it and we go, what the hell? All I was doing was leaping into this fight because I'm a concerned British citizen and you think you have the right to scrutinise me from every angle and, like, post shit about my family and all of this nonsense just because I'm trying to do my best? And this isn't me whinging as me because... I know that this applies to both of you as well. So it's a pattern. This is nothing to do with me. I didn't, but this is just something that I, you know, either it's a tactic put in there from outside or it's literal demonic possession, which personally I believe. I think these people are possessed. Um, but I'm fed up with it. And I'm basically at the point where, like, right, if you're anonymous, you're not, you're not in. You're not in the movement because, like, who are you? I don't know who you are, but I know who James Goddard is, and I know who Tracy Blackwell is. That's where we're at. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good way to finish, isn't it? Bang yeah. on. So, yeah, I think, like I said, moving forward, we've, uh, we're going to step the campaign up. We're going to be positive. And like I said, there are, like, uh, as, as we are living in dark times, I'm not going to lie, like, it is really sad and it is really vile out there. But we've just got to, I think all the, all the moral people, all the good people, we've just got to come together and just formulate a plot to actually start to make some real noise and actually make real change. Focus on the institutions that we want, you know, that we want changing. Focus on and focus on the main issues of the day. And like I said, we've been doing this, like I said, we've been doing this for five years. I don't care if it takes another 25 years. I don't want it to take another 25 years. Ideally, this will get resolved in the next year or so. That that that's got to be the mindset of we've got to get this. We've got to get onto it. We've got to hit it hard. And most importantly, we've got to keep those three boys' memories alive. And like I said, tracing the other families and and their friends do a fantastic job in doing that. I'm going to start posting more um, about the boys' case again because I've not done too much on it recently. Um, to get people, yeah, to get people's interest, not interest back in it, but to get their eyes back onto it because, like I said, you know. And I'm going to use this as an example, but these people that are coming in on these boats, they're coming in unchecked. You don't know whether they're rapists, murderers, terrorists. This could be history repeating itself all over again. Well, that's the thing. They're not checked. And that is the worrying thing. You know, it's not just about them taking the hotels and the hotels should go to the homeless. And rightly so, they should, right? Yeah. But these people aren't checked. Yeah. And we don't know who they are. Absolutely not. And and sadly, as I found out, you know, what happened to my son, that was an extremist attack. It's plain and simple. They were extremists in that car. And one of them wasn't born here. Yeah. Well, thank. I just want to say uh, thank you to everyone in the chat that's uh, been here tonight. And thank you, Tracy, for coming on. I know it's, I know, like, you're really good at speaking, but I know how difficult it is for you to do to do these streams because obviously it's it's going through stuff that's really, really, well, stuff that no mother should have to go through. Basically, I can't I can't imagine what it's like to to lose a child. I know I know what it's like to have one taken off you, but it, it's not the same as having a child lost. So honestly, my my thoughts and feelings on you, you just keep fighting, and I know those boys will be looking down proud as punch because they know. Because I know the type of person that you are. You won't stop until until this is resolved. And hats off to you for the past five years, everything that you've been through. And uh, and you're still here fighting and you're still going to be fighting. And we are going to hopefully make a change. And uh, everybody in the chat is going to get to witness me getting waxed for a good cause. And uh, I'm sure that'll put a smile Nick on your face. can actually pull the sticky stuff off if he wants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you pay for extra. You can put, so we'll do the eyebrows, beard, hair, and then the body wax. And, I'm, I'm, look, I'll, I'll make a complete twat of myself, but I'm doing it for the right reasons because we need to we need to help Tracy and we need to help the boys. So, yeah, thank you to everybody that's taken the time to watch and listen tonight. Also, please remember to check out the, the Fighting for Justice, the, the documentary about the boys if you haven't seen it. It's on Tracy's YouTube channel. Um, what's the channel again, please, Tracy? Tracy, daughter of Leonard. Exactly what's written in here. Yeah, so if you type that into YouTube, download it, watch it, and share it with as many people as possible. Um, I'll hand over to Nick to say uh, to say the last word. I've got no last words, really. Um, it's It's been an absolute pleasure. I think I've covered everything I wanted to say. It's been great learning about all of this. And Tracy, any last words? Just to say, Nick, thank you for inviting me on the channel. 
and you, James. And thank you to everyone in the chat and uh, at name Vile News because mainstream media are Vile News. So thank you, everyone. Uh, and thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. No problem.